Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again this week and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. And I trust that you're enjoying uh, the word that we're sharing. We have, uh, for the last several weeks, been talking about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. We're going to probably try to conclude that in this segment, but we've already filmed three complete uh, 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 programs on the woman at the well of Samaria, and I think you would enjoy them. Uh, let me say very quickly uh, again that if you have missed any of our programs, we, we, we get in the middle of series and we're building and we're talking about things that connect to other stuff that we've taught. It's hard to put all of it in a 30-minute segment. But if you would like to go back and review some of the things that we are sharing or teaching, uh, it is readily available to you if you have internet because everything we have aired to date, we archive it on our YouTube channel. And uh, I believe our YouTube channel is about as powerful as anything we're doing because you can watch it on demand. And it has everything that we've aired to date is, uh, is there, and you can watch it for free. Uh, we also have the audio portions of this on our podcast on our uh, iTunes, and we also have the audio available for your Android device. The very easiest and simplest way to do it is to go to our website at lenhouse.com In the upper right-hand corner, there are icons of the YouTube and of the uh, Android and of the iTunes insignia. If you'll tap on that, it'll take you directly to our page. If you're there and you'd like to subscribe to it, you can do that, and every time we get a new program up, you'll be notified that it's there. Uh, it is at no cost to you. We're not trying to uh, get you to do that so we can barrage you with anything. We just want you to know that it's there and it's available for you to watch it. Our partners have made that available to you, and we're thankful for our partners. If you'd like to become a partner and you want to do that, uh, well, you're there at my website. It's very easy to give or become a partner there. Enough said about that. I want to get in the Word. Uh, we're in John chapter 4. I'm going to read the text. Again, let me reiterate that the whole purpose that we're reading and studying the book of John is written in the latter part of it, where John said that these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and that believing you would have life through His name. And that's the whole, uh, I believe, purpose of the book of John is that faith and belief could come that He in fact was the Christ. And what we showed you over the weeks and weeks and weeks of teaching from John is we've showed you how every miracle He does and everything He is doing is showing you that He in fact was the Messiah that was prophesied of in the Old Covenant. And had there been an expectancy uh, in the minds of these people, they would have recognized it. Here's the problem. They were looking for natural fulfillment, and He's bringing spiritual fulfillment. And the change of the new covenant and the change of, of all of it is still, I believe, the struggle that people are having in their thinking and being able to receive the fact that Jesus has already done a lot of stuff that you think is in the future. And so, you know, we showed them, we showed you in prior segments how that he was talking to Nicodemus, and he said to Nicodemus, listen, it's not your natural birth that's enough. You must be born again. He stood in front of the temple and said to them, destroy this temple. On three days I'll raise it back again. Their carnal mind was thinking about a natural building. Jesus was talking about a spiritual building. 
He turns water to wine, and we think in terms of natural stuff, but the truth of it is, as He fills us with His Spirit, turns the water to wine. In other words, over and over and over again, and I'm not going to go back and explain why we see things the way we do, but it's, it's there in the archived videos that you can go back and see. Today I want to hit something I think that's very basic, and I think it's important to be shared in this particular season. So I'm going to read from John 4, verse 1. It said, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus Himself baptized not but His disciples, He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And He must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh He to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of the ground that Jacob had given to his son, G uh, yeah, Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore being wearied with His journey sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to, to draw water, and Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. And His disciples were gone away to the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that you being a Jew ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now this is her mindset. She said, Why are you even talking to me? You're a Jew. I'm a woman, number one, and I'm a Samaria of Samaria and the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And, 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 and number two, it's breaking the cultural norm for you first of all to talk to a Samaritan, but really breaking the cultural norm for you to be talking to a woman. And uh, Jesus answered, said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, and from whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof in himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Once again, he's making the shift from natural water to spiritual water. Then the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And she said, He said, Go call your husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thine husband, in that you said truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. <laughs> Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me that the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship you know not what, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. And the woman saith unto Him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. And when He is come, He will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am He. And upon this came His disciples, and marveled that He talked with the woman. Yet no man said, Why speakest, seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? And the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and saith unto the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto Him. In the mean, while his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat, he said unto them, I have meat that you know not of. 
Therefore said unto the disciples one unto another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? And Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not, yea, there are yet four months, and then come up the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look unto the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto eternal or unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor, and other men labored, and, and you are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him, for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all things ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days, and many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now, now we believe. And, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee, and Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Then when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all things that he had did at Jerusalem at the feast. They also went up unto the feast, and Jesus came unto them at Cana, where he turned to water to wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick. Now I'm, I'm not going to be able to go into the nobleman this particular uh, segment. I want to catch a few things. First of all, last week I really showed you how this was a fulfillment of Ezekiel 37. This was the fulfillment of the prophecies that Ezekiel made concerning the two tribes of Judah, Judah and Benjamin, and the, the ten tribes who had split under Jeroboam and Rehoboam, and how that the prophetic word was that a Messiah would come, the royal son of David would come back, and he would renew them back to one people and restore them back. The reason Jesus had to go through Samaria is because He is showing them that He is in fact the Messiah, the fulfillment. He is the Son of David that Ezekiel 37 said would come and settle on the throne forever and offer them an everlasting covenant and a covenant of peace. Now that's not somewhere out in the distant future. That's what He was offering them in this first century through His death, burial, and resurrection and inclusion, what He's showing them is that this mystery which has been from, hid from ages is the inclusion of both Jew and Gentile. Now one of the things, and this is just going to be basic today because I, I dealt with the depth of what all that means, and you can go back and look at some of that stuff that was archived. Let me just read to you from my, my notes and then, then I'll come back in and make some comments. Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. And I wrote in my notes, perhaps one of the reasons he needed to go through Samaria was because in a climate of racial prejudice and prejudice against women, he wanted to break down the norm of his day and set a new precedent for a culture that would include people of different ethnic and gender backgrounds. Perhaps some of us need to go through Samaria. The comparison could be made between John 3 and chapter 4, where Jesus came by night and he was thirsty because religion didn't satisfy, and the woman in chapter 4 comes to Jesus because the world didn't satisfy. I think what he's doing is, and to me this is so important because I think, you know, uh, in, in I had I'd written something on my Facebook page not so long ago. Uh, let me let me just see. I might be able to quickly 
I might be able, let me see if I can pull it up on here. I wrote something on my Facebook uh, during uh, Martin Luther King's birthday uh, because I had the great opportunity to, to minister back uh, several years ago at Bishop Eddie Long's church. Uh, with Coretta Scott King, who was Dr. Martin Luther King's wife. I ministered alongside of her at Bishop Eddie Long's. And I wrote this for uh, Martin Luther King Day, and I think it would be important for us to hear this. It said, I had the awesome privilege to share the pulpit a few years back with the late Dr. Martin Luther King's wife, Coretta, at Bishop Eddie Long's church. I found her to be a class act. She gave me some of her husband's excerpts of audio messages that were quite profound. He talked of a promised land that he could see from a distant mountain. Today as we celebrate his life and legacy, I'm reminded of a promised land spoken of in Hebrews 4. That promised land is not a piece of real estate. Uh, it, uh, it's not a piece of real estate. It is defined as rest in Hebrews 4 in the finished work of Jesus Christ. In Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, male or female, etc. In the words, in, in other words, in Christ it is not about race, it is about grace. Now stay with me a minute. It is not the day of a white man nor is it the day of the black man, nor is it the day of the yellow man, nor is it the day of the red man, and it is not the day of the old man. Much of what we do flows out of that old well of Jacob and flows from the old man. This is not the day of the white man, the black man, the red man, the yellow man, or the white man. It is the day of the new man. And where reconciliation and peace is going to come, is when we start to realize that in Christ the color of our skin or the gender of our bodies does not make us any greater or any less. And I think that's one of the norms that Jesus was trying to break as He, uh, you know, as He came to this woman here. And He's, 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 he's breaking the cultural norms of His day. I put in my notes, or I put in that post, it is the day of the new man. The promised land is ours right now. As we celebrate diversity, instead of fearing it, the only peace is through the blood of His cross and remembering the words of Jesus to love one another. In the Song of Solomon, the king is described as being white and red and blue, etc. His, 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 his hair was black as raven. His, his belly was white like a, uh, ivory, or, and it was blue. It describes him as being red. In chapter, I believe it is chapter 5, it describes him as being white and red and blue and, 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 uh, and hair like raven, and gives a multifaceted description of him. In other words, the body of Christ is made up of every ethnic group. The final words of the description in the Song of Solomon was, He is altogether lovely. We being many are one body, and if we are not all together, then we are not lovely at all. And I think that sometimes the reason Jesus had to go through Jerusalem, or not Jerusalem, Samaria, was that He was trying to show us the pattern of a new covenant thing that was not divisive on the basis of your ethnic background, because he said that he came to tear down the middle wall of partition and make of twain one new man. And I think diversity, I think sometimes we celebrate 
uh, uh, that we need to celebrate diversity. I, I think sometimes we need to cross uh, some cultural lines and, 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 and fellowship with one another. I, 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 think that, uh, I, I think that we need to share in one another's styles of worship. I think we need to share in one another's cultures. I don't think you have to leave your culture in order to uh, be part of the body of Christ. That's what makes this so wonderfully multifaceted and altogether lovely. He is altogether lovely. And if he's not altogether, he's not lovely at all. And I believe that secondly, he finds out that he's, uh, you know, they, they, they were startled. She's startled, first of all. She's startled, first of all, because he's talking to a Samaritan. He's breaking the cultural norm because she's a Samaritan. And number two, she's a woman. First of all, the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. They were, they were like the hated group among them. That's why Jesus, even when you study the story of the good Samaritan, he comes to them and says to them, you know, a certain man fell among thieves. And they wounded him and they bruised him. And, 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 and I, I did some teaching back some time ago on that Samaritan and that what had robbed him and stole from him was the religious background he'd come from or the mentalities that we lock ourselves into that are handed down to us through our different cultures that teach us how to hate rather than how to love. And what Jesus is dealing with there is that this certain lawyer comes to him and says to him, Master, which is the greatest of all the commandments? And Jesus says to him, well, you know the commandments. And he said, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. What Jesus does is puts on when he says to him, love your neighbor as yourself, he puts the love your neighbor as yourself in the same category with loving God. In other words, how can you love God whom you have not seen if you cannot love your brother whom you have seen? And so the story of the Samaritan is that bad thinking and thieves of mentalities have left all of us bleeding and dying and culturally separated and hating one another, and it perpetuates generation after generation. And we keep on saying and doing things that keep on causing the same problems over and over and over again, when maybe what we need to do is see that what Jesus was saying to this ruler, this guy who asked him, he was a lawyer. He was a lawyer of the law of Moses. He said, which is the great commandment? What, what must I do to inherit the life eternal life. And Jesus said, you know the commandments. And he's putting the commandment to love on the same level as the commandment of loving God. In other words, what we, you know, the, the, these people love God. We, we, we said, and that's that probably why he's even talking to this woman about, you say we worship here and we say they worship there. And he's saying you need to worship God in spirit and in truth is because we like our isolated little religious circles where this is where I worship, this is where you worship, and, and we just don't ever cross lines. And the Samaritans were a hated bunch of people, but Jesus begins to show them that the Samaritan that they hated was in fact the person that they needed to love. That in fact the Samaritan was the one that found this man who was left bleeding and dying beside the Jericho road and took him to an inn and said, whatever it costs to make him better, I'm willing to pay the price. And so they poured in the oil and the wine. And Jesus said, then who then is 
Of course, the, like I said, the lawyer says to him, who is my neighbor? Because he's thinking in terms of, you know, my neighbor next door that's just like me. But Jesus is trying to show him, listen, your neighbor is not just the one who believes exactly like you. Your neighbor is the guy you hate that you think is separated from you, that's somehow different from you. That's the neighbor that you need to love, and that's the neighbor that's going to pour in the oil and wine. Maybe it's time we leave our water pots, just like this woman at Samaria. Maybe it's time we let Jesus become central in our lives. Maybe it's time we put away all the hate and all, all the bigotry and all the prejudice and just begin to see people as people whom God loves and whom Christ gave Himself for. That doesn't mean we endorse the behaviors of, 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 of people of any group. It simply means that race is not the issue grace is. And if we pour in oil and wine, what happens is that oil and wine is stuff that flows from Zion, is stuff that flows from... If we're truly New Covenant people, and we're truly found the Messiah, and we've truly found the King, that I'm going to tell you He wants to make one nation under one King that's not separated or divided by bigotry or hatred or racial divide. But that's why He needed to go through Samaria. Some of us may perhaps need to go through Samaria. It's easy to stereotype people when you don't know any of them. But when you find people that are just like you, who want the same things you want, who who want to love their families, who want to live in peace, that's what the gospel is supposed to produce, is a gospel of peace. I, 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 we, we, we have to lay down our, our weapons and beat our swords and weapons into plowshares, walk away from our water pots and turn to Jesus who's the source. And then the second thing he does is, and of course he begins to tell this, this, this lawyer who really is the neighbor here. The neighbor was the Samaritan. In other words, the guy you need to love is the guy that you didn't think you had to love because that's who the true Samaritan was. And you never know if there's, I believe in diversity as we celebrate, there are things that are in different cultural groups that will add such flavor to us. I mean, I look at it like this way, even when we find different styles of worship, it's like it's not that one's different or better than the other, it is simply this, it's like going to an Italian restaurant or a Chinese restaurant or, you know, a Spanish restaurant. Everybody cooks it differently. But if it's lamb we're serving, it might be a little more spicy at one place. Don't criticize it. Enjoy it. Celebrate the diversity. If there's certain ways of preaching that you like, there's some people, you know, whenever I'm not on the TV set and I preach, I, I'm a preacher. I rear back and like a hammer on a Winchester, they say, and I preach. And, and some people love that and have me in because of my style. And others don't, don't, don't like that style where you raise your voice and you shout and you have a good time. They think, well, I just didn't come to church to be hollered at. Well, that's a matter of taste. It's, you, it's a matter of style. But maybe sometimes we need to look over the matter of style and try some new things, you know. Maybe it's like our, our children. We want them to eat this and try it so that at least they'll like something different and something new. And so, you know, I just encourage you to celebrate diversity. Don't, don't, don't fear it. Celebrate it. Secondly, the thing is that Jesus deals with a woman. 
He breaks down the gender prejudice because it looks like if you read the Old Testament, it almost looks like it's anti-woman. But I think what Jesus is doing in the New Covenant is restoring what His intentional purpose was in Genesis, and that is not for the woman to be under the foot of, of Adam, but to be bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. They too being one flesh and, and being joined together with mutual respect and love for one another. And that's what Paul writes even in Corinthians about husbands and wives. His husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church and respecting them. And it's with that that I say that we might ought to, you know, uh, rethink even what we think about women in ministry. I personally have absolutely no problem with women in ministry. My pastor is a woman. My oldest sister is a senior pastor of the, uh, of the church that I attend, and I have absolutely no problem sitting under a woman uh, woman pastor. My mother was a pastor. My father was a pastor. Uh, of course, you know, many of his sons and, 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 and some of their wives preach. And, you know, I, I think what, what we have to do is break down some of these, you know, we, we rob ourselves. We sit around thinking, well, bless God, I'm right. Bless God, this is what you know. And every one of us can find some scripture somewhere to prove our point and defend our posture. But I'm not into a fight. I'm not after a war. I simply want to love one another and celebrate the diversity and appreciate what is in different giftings and different manifestations of God because He is altogether lovely. And if He's not altogether he is not lovely at all. And maybe that's what will bring together a harvest as we start to celebrate that stuff. And realize He needed to go through Samaria, but when He stopped by Samaria, what happened was they received Him and received Him better than His own people. He came to His own, but His own received Him not, but He was received better by uh, many people from the Samaritan group, and they begin to hear his words. And what's amazing to me is they believed him while the Jews did not. And they believed him because of his word. And to me, what a great testament to their hearing his words and knowing this is in fact the Christ. Because like I said, they all, they all knew some of the Jewish scriptures. They, they, they came from the same, same seed of Abraham. But the truth of it is, is they now come to a place where uh, they were all divided. But Jesus then begins to say, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. And sometimes I think we underestimate the gifts that are set and right under our nose and appreciating the people that are in our lives and appreciating the people that God has sent into our lives. And so I'm just suggesting that sometimes maybe we need to go through Samaria. We need to break some cultural norms because I think we need the church to stop being a follower and start being a leader, especially when it comes to changing cultures and transforming cities. And instead of fighting, maybe we ought to reach across the aisle, join each other's hands and say, we are all together and we're all together lovely. We're out of time and I trust you've enjoyed this series from The Woman at the Well. And uh, once again, if you'd like to uh, join us in taking this kind of a message around the world, uh, please go to our website. It's the easiest way to do it. And there's a link there to give. You can give 
via credit card or debit card. You can also, if you want to, sign up for a monthly debit where you can become a monthly partner with us and your gift helps enable us to take the gospel around the world. You can also call and uh, someone will take your call. If they're not there, we have a limited team. You can leave your number if you'd like them to return your call and give via credit card or MasterCard or Visa, however you'd like to do that. God bless you. Or you can send a mail to the address on the screen. God bless you. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.